0: from listener donations at wjffradio.org support for radio catskill comes from the calicoon theater an updated vintage movie theater with new releases film festivals nostalgic screenings live music events and more information and schedule at the on the next on being nobel physicist frank Wilczek on beauty as a
1: compass for deep truth
2: I tried to write an equation which captured the way it should work and the equation almost wrote itself and it it was just so pretty that I knew it had to be correct and that turned out to be the key to a very important investigation.
0: I'm Krista Tippett. Join us. Monday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm Donna Fellenberg
1: and today I'll be speaking with Santa Claus. We all know that Santa has many, many helpers keeping him in touch with all the boys and girls throughout the world. I'm not talking elves here, but the Santas, who you would usually see in the malls and the restaurants and stores and the like before COVID. Who are these people? How do they become Santa Claus? And from what I've just learned, you never know which of the Santas is the real Santa. He is known to hide in plain sight. Santa George Kane is my guest today, and he's going to tell us a bit about himself and how he came to be Santa. Is he the real Santa? He's not sane. But after Christmas, I'm sure he's very tired. So I feel honored that he agreed to come on the show today. And remember, Christmas is for you and me, but it's never really over for Santa. Santa George, welcome to Catskill Character.
2: Why, thank you, Donna. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Oh, my pleasure. You know, I know, Santa, that you're magical. But everyone has to be born somewhere. Where are you from?
2: Oh, I actually, uh, in this incarnation, I uh, was born in Brooklyn, of all places, and uh, my family moved up to Selma County when I was like one year old.
1: Oh, okay, Ah. so you've lived here all your life, basically.
2: Pretty much, well, when I'm not at the North Pole.
1: Yes, of course. What do you remember of your Christmases from childhood?
2: It was an absolutely magical, magical time. Um, For us, uh, a big trip to the big city, which in our case was Port Jervis, to see all the store displays and the lights and the decorations, and you you could just feel a very, very positive atmosphere. And then, of course, to visit the uh, Santas at either Newberry's and or Woolworth's was just magical. And I it used to it was it was amazing to me how they got from one store to the other in in a flash. It, it was like total <laughs> magic for me.
1: I know, right? Oh. Why did they do that?
2: Um, well, like I said, I eat Santa's magical. And yeah. you know, it's amazing. He always treated me like a new kid in every different store.
1: Wow, he had that skill. He really does have that skill. I was wondering if it provided for you, besides the normal things that kids love about Christmas, did it provide for you any kind of a a respite from the rest of your life?
2: Oh, definitely. Um, Christmas, like I said, was magical. It was very positive. Uh, My whole family got along, et cetera. And it was, you know, almost like a family reunion, which was totally different than what I was growing up with in real life. Um, believe it or not, when I was in school and stuff, I was actually uh, bullied right through kindergarten, right through high school. And it, it sort of instilled in me that old saying, do unto others that you want done to yourself. And I, I, I think that little core value just stuck with me because I know I didn't like being hurt, et cetera, physically as well as emotionally, um, but not to do it to other people.
1: Well, I guess except for Christmas time, those growing up years were not the happiest of times for you. What did you do when you got out of high school?
2: Well, I I did several things. I played in a band and, uh, I tried joining the service, uh, but unfortunately I slipped on some water running upstairs and cracked both kneecaps. So, so much for that. And, uh, after that, I, I became uh, an EMT and later on a scuba instructor, and those two were pretty much my career for the uh, next 50-some-odd years.
1: Wow. Well, being an EMT really puts you face-to-face with the grim realities of life and, of course, death. How did you cope with all of that?
2: Um, there's always a couple cases that, that stay with you the rest of your life. But what you have to do is you have you get to realize that while you you're coming across probably the worst that humankind has to offer in many ways, in many ways there are many people who they're alive because of you and your team, and you know once in a while a young child will come in and ask for me, and I, honestly I don't know this child from anybody. And they're like, you saved my life. And I'm sorry for me. <laughs> the tears just come. I mean, that, that, what else can you say to, to something like that? Someone's alive because of you or not crippled or, you know, they survived. It, it's just incredible. And not just me, but my fellow firefighters, police, et cetera. We, we, we're all one big team.
1: The way you cope with the darker side of being an EMT is remembering all the positives, remembering that you you're saving lives and you're helping people. So there's your Santa personality coming through again.
2: Absolutely. You have to realize Santa Santa's persona is he gives freely of himself, but expects absolutely nothing in return.
1: Yeah, you don't see a lot of that in everyday life. So that's what that's really a part of what makes Santa so pure.
2: Absolutely.
1: And you said you were also a scuba instructor, a diving instructor. And I've got to tell you, I've never actually scuba dived, but I have gone snorkeling a a couple of times and I found it to be terrifying. You know, all my friends were paddling around and, you know, oohing and i oh this is beautiful I was terrified every time I would put my head down under the water I'd see these reeds and I think oh my god I'm going to be pushed right up into it the only thing that gave me any kind of uh, a sense of relaxation <laughs> this is so embarrassing but I would look at my nails that I had just had polished before I went on vacation. I'd say, okay, this looks pretty. I'm just scuba diving. I'm here. Everything is cool. But in my heart, I was terrified. So how did you help your students who perhaps also had fear about doing what you were doing?
2: Well, we start them off literally in baby steps. Um, we first talk about what we're gonna do and then we uh, practice the techniques in the shallow end where all they have to do is stand up if they think they have a problem and we gradually work towards the deeper end doing the exact same thing the exact same reputation and in the pool of course it's a pretty safe environment and as an instructor you're you're trained to handle virtually any emergency the students can come up with when they're ready you then proceed to a safe open water environment. And for us, we, had, we went to a place called Dutch Springs Quarry where they had teams of uh, EMTs, etc., rescue if needed. It was an enclosed environment, uh, perfectly safe for everybody. Uh, and then gradually went to uh, uh, fresh water. And then, if they wanted, into salt water. Some divers have never been in salt water in their life. Other ones, you can't keep them out of it. It's just baby steps, really.
1: You were living in Yulin. there's no, you know, major body of water to go scuba diving.
2: Well, actually, um my front yard is Bodine Lake and I've been in there hundreds of times. I pretty much know wow. the whole bottom of that lake and it was just just fun for me once again it's a safe environment. I know it so well. Um of course no guarantee that something can't happen, but pretty 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 highly unlikely.
1: Well, speaking of fear, you have a pretty fearsome figure in your family tree. Would you tell the listener about your great-great-great-grandfather?
2: Oh, my, yes. Uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, my great-great-great-great-grandfather was an actual Golden Age pirate. Oh. And he you're right, he was very fearsome. Um, his real name was Hezekiah Yitzhak Handel. Uh, which I always joke around, he's the most famous pirate you never heard of. But none of the (laughs) pirates uh, went under their real name for fear that there could be retribution on their families, etc. So he changed his name from Hezekiah Yitzhak Kandel to Israel Hands. And he was actually Blackbeard's quartermaster and second-in-command. So uh, we have actual family stories of the real Blackbeard and what it was like to, uh, you know, sail with him, etc. Uh he, he was an interesting character.
1: You got very interested in this guy, Israel Hans, and you became a, a reenactor. Do you think there's a thread connecting that to you becoming
2: Santa Claus? I was fairly shy originally, but when I became the Pirate, I found I was much more outgoing. I mean, it was me, obviously, the same person, but there was something different about when I became the pirate. Uh, I was me, but I wasn't. And yet the real me, I think, is what came out. Mm-hmm. People were interested. You know, it was amazing when I would show the different weapons and, and demonstrate them and actually let them hold some of them. Uh, it just became a, a, a wonderful, wonderful part of my life.
1: His middle name was Yitzhak. You speak Hebrew. I'm thinking maybe you're a Jewish Santa
2: Claus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, believe it or not, yes. And that has not been a hindrance. I mean, after all, if you think back, the reality is Jesus himself was uh, Jewish. As a matter of fact, many called him rabbi. So the core teachings um, are not uh, opposing each other especially the do unto others as you yourself wish to have done to you. If you don't like it being done to you, don't do it to somebody else. And of course, peace on earth, goodwill to all mankind. What could be more universal than that?
1: Becoming this other part of your persona, I think, absolutely led to you becoming what I happen to think is one of the most interesting Santa Clauses I've ever heard of. So let's take a a quick break here, George, and we'll come right back. This is Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill, and I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. After a short break, I'll be back with more from today's guest, Santa George Kane.
2: Remember when the president said that if Joe Biden won the election, the rioters would take over? Turns out he was right. I'm Peter Sagal. We look back on those wonderful days when we thought 2021 was going to be an improvement. Join us for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR.
1: Sunday morning at 10 on Radio Catskill.
2: WJFF Jeff w W23388 Monticello, streaming online and on the web at wjffradio.org, 845 482 4141
1: This is Catskill Character, and I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. If you've just joined us, my guest today is Santa George Kane. Santa George told us a bit about his history in the first half of the show, shared that his great-great-great-grandfather, Israel Hands, was second in command to the pirate Blackbeard. This opened up a whole new world to George, and he became a reenactor in the world of the Golden Age of Pirates, and before the break... Santa George told us how being a pirate reenactor eventually led to becoming Santa Claus. Let's get back to it. Santa, aside from the fact that being a reenactor certainly got you used to wearing costumes, it seems to me your life and all the challenges you had to deal with, including being bullied as a child, put you on a path. That led you to becoming Santa Claus, who is probably one of the best examples of the embodiment of empathy. you could have gone another way, but you didn't
2: yeah you know, all you have to do is look on the internet for people who say they did this or they that or they got involved with drugs, crime, etc, because they had a rough childhood and I'm not going to say I had the roughest childhood, not by a long shot, but it was pretty trying for me personally. Something kept bringing me back to those core values I that were instilled in me and that I believed in. It's just not my personality to want to go out and knowingly or deliberately hurt anybody. Uh, and I, I just sort of stuck with that. And then when I took on a different personas, I could... Be kind and be interesting and be totally accepted by other people. And that, I think, is what made the difference. Plus the fact, all my career, all I wanted to do was help people. So that's, I finally embraced me.
1: And I'm thinking that maybe when you were doing the reenactment as a pirate, you could get at a little bit of the anger that must have been there when you were bullied, right?
2: <laughs> um Yes and no. I could be a very fearsome person as the pirate. But what's interesting is that being able to do it, I knew I didn't want to do it. I, I think they said the best in Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. And it's absolutely true in any of the personas, especially uh, being Santa. Uh, you know, that naughty and nice thing. I I didn't have to learn how to be Santa. God, by by the grace of God, uh, just with my personality, that's what I became. And something magical happened when I really started doing that. Um, We say that the spirit of St. Nicholas, the original, comes upon those who have a pure heart, and they truly do become Santa Claus. After I was stopped in the mall by a whole bunch of kids, Uh, who, even though they had the malt Santa there, uh, were following me. My wife, Debbie, said, you know, you have that personality, and kids are just coming up to you. Why don't you? So we went to a store, and she found a onesie complete with the butt flap and the closed feet and everything, and we uh, got a dollar store hat, Santa hat, and the rest, as they say, is total history.
1: She gave you the final push.
2: Oh, absolutely. And as Mrs. Claus, she was oh, su- such a good backing. I-, I-, I could never, ever, ever have even begun to, to do it without her. And that she-, she was just the, uh, she was my rock.
1: <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry she's gone. But I'm sure she lives on in your heart and she's, Probably always whispering to you when you're out there doing your Santa Claus thing.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I I, I definitely have the, the feeling, the impression that she definitely is there. And that's a comfort to me.
1: You know, speaking of your suits before, I imagine that those suits get pretty dirty sitting behind all those reindeer. How many suits do you have?
2: I easily have over a dozen. And whenever I go to an appearance, I always in uh, one of my bags uh, carry extra parts in case something does get soiled, because uh, you, you're dealing with kids of all ages, uh, from literally from uh, one hour to you know one hundred plus, and anything can happen. And you you truly do want to be prepared. Being Santa is, is such a visible image; you you don't want to do anything to. Uh, deviate from that image
1: do you have a special robe that you wear for the most elegant occasions that santa attends
2: actually i have two of them one is based on uh father christmas uh the old worldview which is a very elaborate gown and the other one is from believe it or not the russian santa dead morose which means grandfather frost the Russian Santas probably have the absolute most elaborate outfits of any Santa known. So I mix and match between those two. And uh, most people are like, oh, my gosh, that's absolutely gorgeous.
1: Can we see that on your Facebook page?
2: Absolutely.
1: Oh, good. And, you know, I wanted to ask you also, Santa, you keep those elves in line. I mean, they, they seem like they're really Good, but they get a little frisky sometimes,
2: don't they? <laughs> well, like everybody, uh, elves come in all shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, and personalities. And uh, children are children, regardless whether they're human or elves. And they can get frisky sometimes. Um, and generally, that's what uh, I'm, I'm the pushover. Mrs. Claus basically is the whipcracker, so to speak. But you have to understand, too, that all the elves are at the North Pole. They're there because they want to be. No one's forced to be there. They Mm -hmm. even have their own union. They do get paid, uh, and they have vacation the whole nine yards. It's actually um, a job they want to be at.
1: You mentioned the mall before, that you and Debbie were walking through the mall, and the kids were following you. But you never wanted to be a mall Santa, did you?
2: No, and, and the reason is, I mean, I have the utmost respect for all them all sanders Oh my God, they they are known to be the hardest working people for uh, during the holiday season, bar none. Um, but to us, the you know the Clauses are magical grandparents, and that's the persona I just seem to show. You you can't do that with with just being able to spend a minute or two max with a child especially if the child wants to talk to you a little bit. So, um, well, I said I have the utmost respect for mall Santas. That's not who I want to be.
1: So you didn't do the malls, but before COVID, I'm sure you were really busy with all kinds of engagements. Would you tell the listener what those engagements were?
2: Well, uh, you know, besides appearing for youth groups and other organizations, house visits, we would do visits with hospice uh, to the vet centers Uh, That that magic has to be for everybody, and there should be no reason a child or even an adult be able to have a visit from Santa Claus.
1: But, of course, that all had to change after COVID. What was the impact like for you, Santa?
2: Well, the impact, not just for me, but for all the Santas, was pretty much devastating, and and not just because of of the lack of jobs now. Um, we're all outgoing and loving people and to be secluded even just in our personal lives was very, very hard. Um, I was lucky that uh, I, I did get to do a couple things, uh, many of them outdoors with proper distancing, but the biggest uh, engagement I got was at Bethel Woods with the dinner with Sam, And it it was just amazing. I mean, in the year 2020 that they could still be a, chi- a normal child again and it was just so amazing to see it.
1: Didn't you tell me that you had special masks made for Santa?
2: Yes, um, a fellow reenactor of mine uh, does sewing, etc, and makes jewelry and she uh, actually made special masks for Santa, which covered most of my beard. Uh, children uh, being you know the beard is mine. Uh, There are many Santas, what we call designer beards, uh, Mm -hmm. who don't have a beard normally. And those are, of course, definitely Santa helpers. But for those of us with real beards, um, depending upon the child, whatever, many times we will let the children touch our beard. Uh, But, of course, with COVID and stuff, that's not a good idea. So these masks covered pretty much all of my beard to help take away that, uh, you know, natural want to touch Santa's beard.
1: Uh, But now Christmas is over, and I'm wondering, what does Santa do after all these festivities are completed?
2: Well, first of all, um, Christmas isn't over. There's actually 12 days of Christmas, starting with the 25th and ending on 12th night, uh, which is January 6th. So Santa is still, traditionally, uh, most people on the 25th we'd be going to church and stuff. And when they come home, there'd be some gifts left. But the main gift giving was new year's day it would be like Christmas day. And then on the sixth, which is 12th night, there's a huge, huge family gathering. It's just like uh, Thanksgiving except with goose rather than Turkey.
1: Aha! Uh-huh. So you're
2: still out there. Oh, absolutely. Well, actually I'm out there all year long. Um, People just don't recognize me without my suit on.
1: That's right. And I, I I know before COVID, you would meet monthly with your International Brotherhood of Real Bearded Santas. You do that on video chats now?
2: Uh, we've done it on some. We've had some video chats. But uh, for the main part, we've just stayed in touch uh, via Facebook. Uh, my group is called Lower Hudson Santas. And there's about 30 people in the group. And it's not just Santa Clauses. We have Mrs. Clauses. We have Christmas characters, etc. Uh, sometimes we have uh, our little people or the elves. And uh, we all get together, talk about our experiences, um, you know, get mentoring, etc. Just so that we have that, that magic increases every year. Uh, mm-hmm. And we all work together.
1: That's fantastic, Santa. You know, I, I want to tell you, it's really been a pleasure speaking with you. But I have to tell you also that the whole time that we've been talking, I've been wondering could George be the real Santa? You certainly have the beard and you certainly have the heart. So I know you're not going to tell me, but I just want you to know that that's the feeling that I'm getting. <laughs>
2: Well, I am whoever you want me to be, (laughs) but I will say that uh, something has happened to me and it happens to me every season and there's a special magic I feel. Maybe it's just me feeling it. I don't know, but am I Santa Claus? Well, my heart says so, but what's more important is who do you believe I am?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Thanks so much for joining me today, Santa. Happy New Year, and here's to better days ahead.
2: Well, Merry Christmas and a happy, healthy, and prosperous New Year to you, Donna. And thank you so much again for inviting me. I really enjoyed it.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill with today's guest, Santa George Kane santa george can be found on facebook and right this very minute he is learning how to negotiate instagram so pretty soon you'll be able to see him on there too catskill character is on every saturday at eleven thirty, right after farming country greg triggs travels with triggs is on the last saturday of the month in this time slot please join me again for another conversation with a catskill character Right here, Saturdays on WJFF.
0: Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theatre. An updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. Twoqueenscoffee.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org.
2: Here's an invitation for you to join the party here at the Retro Cocktail Hour, where the swinging sounds of the Space Age Bachelor Pad come alive. Every week we serve up classic tiki tunes, private eye jazz, groovy bossa nova, and other incredibly strange music. I'm Darryl Brogdon. Join us for a hi-fi highball, the Retro Cocktail Hour.
1: Wednesday night at 8.
2: Every week on WJFF Radio Catskill. This week's On the Media, as cable news hosts watched chaos in the Capitol, they struggled to find the right words to describe the perpetrators. Protesters, uh, rioters. Domestic terrorists, insurrectionists. I don't want to call them protesters, or I want to call them rioters or mobsters. Don't miss this week's On the Media from WNYC.
0: Saturday afternoon at 4 on Radio Catskill. Support comes from The Homestead School, Lens Bay, New York, Montessori education and life skills for preschool through 8th grade on an 85-acre campus with farm animals. Award-winning solar-powered alternative since 1978. Homesteadschool.com Support for Radio Catskill comes from The Never Sink General Store, featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering.
2: Now offering takeout. NeverSinkGeneralStore.com And from listeners like you. WJFF, Jeffersonville, New York, W233AH,
1: Monticello.